0: Chapter two of the Moors in Spain by Stanley Lane Poole This recording is in the public domain The Wave of Conquest O oh, Commander of the Faithful, these are not common conquests They are like the meeting of the nations on the day of judgment. Thus wrote Musa, the governor of Africa to the Caliph Valid, describing the victory of the guadalete there is little wonder that the saracens stood amazed at the completeness of their triumph leaving the regions of myth with which the spanish chroniclers have surrounded the fall of roderick it is matter of sober history that the victory of the Gadalete gave all spain into the hands of the moors tarik and his twelve thousand berbers had by a single action won the whole peninsula and it needed but ordinary energy and promptness to reduce the feeble resistance which some of the cities still offered. The victor lost no time in following up his success. In defiance of an order from Musa, who was bitterly jealous of the unexpected glory which had come to his berber lieutenant, and commanded him to advance no further, the fortunate general pushed on without delay. Dividing his forces into three brigades, he spread them over the peninsula and reduced city after city with little difficulty. Mugit, one of his officers, was dispatched with 700 horse to siege Cordova. Lying heat till darkness came on, Mugit stealthily approached the city. A storm of hail, which the Muslims regarded as a special favor of providence, muffled the clatter of their horses' hoofs a shepherd pointed out a breach in the walls and here the moors determined to make the assault one of them more active than the rest climbed the fig tree which grew beneath the breach, and thence springing onto the wall flung the end of a long turban to the others and pulled them off after him they instantly surprised the guard and drew open the gates to the main body of the invaders and town was captured with hardly a blow the governor and garrison took refuge in a convent where for three months they were closely beleaguered when at length they surrendered cordova was left in the keeping of the jews who had proved themselves staunch allies of the moslems in the campaign and who ever afterwards enjoyed the great consideration at the hands of the conquerors the moors admitted them to their intimacy and until very late times never persecuted them as the gothic priest has done wherever the arms of the saracen penetrated there we shall always find the jews in close pursuit while the arab fought the jew trafficked and when the fighting was over jew and moor and persian joined in that cultivation of learning and philosophy art and science which preeminently distinguished rule of the Saracen in the Middle Ages. With the cooperation of the Jews and the terror of the Spaniard, Tariq's conquest proceeded apace. Archidona was occupied without a struggle. The inhabitants had all fled to the hills. Malaga surrendered, and Elvira, near where Granada now stands, was stormed the mountain-passes of murcia was defended by Teodemir for some time with great valor and prudence but at last being over into offering a pitched battle on the plain the christian army was cut to pieces and Teodemir escaped with a single page to the city of Oriuela. there he practised an ingenious deception upon his pursuers having hardly any men left in the city for The youth of Murcia had fallen in the field. He made the women put on male attire, arm themselves with helmets and long rods like lances, and bring their hair over their chins as though they were beards. Then he lined the ramparts with this strange garrison, and when the enemy approached in the shade of evening, they were disheartened to see the walls so well defended. Theodemir then took a flag of truce in his hand and put a herald's tabard on his page and they too sailed forth to capitulate and were graciously received by the muslim general who did not recognize the prince i come said theodemid on behalf of the commander of this city to treat for terms of worthy of your magnanimity and of his dignity you perceive that the city is capable of withstanding a long siege but he is desirous of sparing the lives of his soldiers promise that the inhabitants shall be at liberty to depart unmolested with their property and city will be delivered up to you to-morrow morning without a blow otherwise we are prepared to fight until not a man be left the articles of capitulation were then drawn out and when the moor had affixed his seal theodore took the pen and wrote his signature behold in me said he the governor of the city at the dawn of the day the gates were drawn open and the muslims looked to see a great force issuing forth but beheld merely theodemir and his page in battered armour followed by a multitude of old men women and children where are the soldiers asked the moor that i saw lining the walls last evening soldiers have i known answered theodomir as to my garrison behold it before you with these women did i mend my walls, and these pages my herald god and retinue so struck was maurice's general with the boldness and ingenuity of the trick which had been played upon him that he made theodomir governor of the province of murcia which was ever afterwards known in arabic as Teodomir's land even in these early days, the Moors knew and practiced the principle of true chivalry. They had already won their title to the knightliness, which many centuries later compelled to the victorious Spaniard to address them as Knights of Grenada, Gentlemen, albeit Moors, Caballeros Granadinos, aunque moros y hostalgo. Meanwhile, Tarik had pressed on to Toledo, the capital of the Goths he was seeking for gothic nobles at cordova he had looked to meet them but they had fled at toledo which the jews delivered into his hands the nobles were not to be found they had fled further and taken refuge in the mountains of the asturias traitors like the family of vitiza and count julian alone remained and these were rewarded with the posts of government the rest of the nobility had disappeared the country was abandoned to the moors spain had become in fact a province of vast empire of the arab caliphs who held their court at damascus and swayed an empire that stretched from the mountains of india to the pillars of hercules what remained to be done towards the pacification of spain was effected by musa who when he heard of Tariq's continued career of success sailed in all haste across the strait followed by his arabs to take his full share of the glory he crossed in the summer of seven hundred twelve with eighteen thousand men and after reducing carmona seville and merida joined tarik at toledo the meeting between the conqueror and his superior officer was not friendly tarik went forth to receive the governor of the west with all honor but Musa struck him with a whip Overwhelmed him with the reprimand for exceeding his instructions, and declaring that it was impossible to entrust the safety of the Muslims to such rash and impetuous leading, threw him into prison. When this act of jealous tyranny came to the ears of Caliph Walid, he summoned Musa to Damascus and restored Tariq to his command in Spain. Before returning to Syria, Musa had stood upon the pyrenees and seen a vision of european conquest his recall interrupted his further advance but others soon pushed forward an arab governor as early as 719, occupied the southern part of gaul called settimania with the cities of carcassonne and narbonne and from these centers he began to make raids upon the burgundy and aquitania Duke of Aquitania administered a total defeat to the Saracens under the walls of Toulouse in 721, but this only diverted their course more to the west. They sacked Bonn, exacted tribute from Sons, seized Avignon in 730, and made numerous raids upon the neighbouring districts. The new governor of Narbonne, Abdel Rahman, resolved upon the conquest of all Gaul he had already checked the operations of Ud, who presumed after his victory at toulouse to carry the war into the saracen's country and now he attacked the taracones and boldly invaded aquitaine defeated Ud on the bank of the garonne captured Bordeaux by assault and in seven thirty two marched on in triumph toward the tour where he had heard of the treasures of the abbey of st martin Between Poitiers and Tours, he was met by Charles, the son of Pepin, the Aristar, then virtual king of France, for the feeble Merovingian sovereign, Rother, had no voice to oppose the will of his powerful mayor of the palace. The Saracens went joyfully to the fight. They expected the second field of Gadelete, and looked to see fair France their prey from Calais to Marseille an issue momentous for europe was to be decided and the conflict that ensued has rightly been numbered among the fifteen decisive battles of the world the questions to be judged by force of arm was whether europe was to be christian or mohammedan whether the future notre dame was to be a church or mosque perhaps even whether saint paul's when it came to be built should echo the chant of the agonist day or the muttered prayers of islam had not the saracens be checked at tours there is no reason to suppose that they would have stopped at the english channel but as fate decreed the tide of mohammedan invasion had reached its limit and the ebb ab was about to set in charles and his Franks was no emasculate race like the romanized spaniards and Goths they were at least as hard and valorous as Moors themselves, and their magnificent stature gave them an advantage which could not fail to tell. Six days were spent in partial engagement, and then on the seventh came General Medley. Charles cut through the ranks of the Muslims with irresistible might. Dealing right and left such ponderous blows that formed that day, he was called Charles Martel, Karl of the Hammer his frankish followers inspired by leaders prowess bore down upon the saracens with crushing force and the whole array of the muslims broke and fled in utter rout the spot was long and shuddering known in andalusia by the name of pavement of martyrs the danger to western europe was averted so crushing was the disaster that the moors of spain never again during all the centuries that they ruled in the south attempted to invade france they retained indeed their hold of narbonne and the districts bordering the northern slope of the pyrenees for some time longer until 797 and even ventured upon foreign raids into provence but here their ambition ceased the battle of tours had once for all vindicated the independence of france and set a bound to moslem conquest like the swelling tide of the sea the Saracen horde had poured over the land, and now, through the hammer of the Frank, a voice had spoken. Hitherto shalt thou come, and no further, and here shall thy proud wave be stayed. On the other hand, the kings of France were so deeply impressed with the courage of their Muslim neighbors, that though they too delighted in occasional forays, only once did they attempt the subjugation of the Spain charlemagne the second alexander could not contemplate with composure the immunity of the muslim power on the other side of the pyrenees as a good christian he was pledged to extirpate the infidel and as an imperial conqueror the existence of the independent kingdom of andalusia was hateful to his pride his opportunity came at last when the assertion of the first spanish prince of the omayed stock roused the hostility of some of their factions which were always prone to revolt in spain charlemagne was invited to interfere and drive out the usurper the spanish chroniclers make alfonso king of the astrias and heir of summon the frankish emperor to his aid but there is more reason to believe that the invitation came from certain disappointed muslim chiefs who could not brook the authority of al-Rahman the Umayyad, and who were ready to submit even to the sworn enemy of islam rather than recognize the new ruler the moment of the appeal was propitious Charlemagne had just completed as he thought the subjugation of the saxons their chief viterkind had been banished and thousands of his followers were coming to pardubon to be baptized the conqueror's hands were thus free to turn to other schemes of victory it was arranged that he should invade spain while the factious muslim chiefs should make diversions in his favor at three different points fortunately for the new-founded dynasty of cordova this formidable coalition came to naught. the allies in spain miscalculated their time and fell to blows with one another and when Charlemagne crossed the Pyrenees in 777, he found himself unsupported. He began the siege of Zaragoza, when the news was brought him that Wittekind had returned and raised the Saxons, who were again in arms, and had advanced as far as Cologne. There was nothing for it but to hurry back and defend his dominions. He rapidly retraced his steps, and main part of his army had already crossed the mountains when disaster overtook the rear in the pass of Roncesvalles. The Basques, who nourished an eternal hatred against the Franks, had laid a skilful ambuscade among the rocky defiles of the Pyrenees, and, allowing the advanced part of the army to march through, waited till the rearguard, encumbered with baggage began slowly to dread its way through the pass then they fell upon it hip and thigh so that scarcely a frank escaped the christian chroniclers tell terrible tales of the slaughter done that day according to them it was the saracens side by side with the knights of leon who wrought this havoc upon the king charles we read in the old spanish ballad how the legendary hero of bernardo del capio led the chivalry of leon to the massacre of the frankish host with three thousand men of leon from the city bernard goes to protect the soiled Hispanian from the spears of frankish foes from the city which is planted in the midst between the seas to preserve the name and glory of old Belial's victories free were we born this does they cry though to our king we owe the homage and fealty behind his crest to go By God's behest our aid he shares, but God did never command that we should leave our children heirs of an enslaved land. Our breasts are not so timorous, nor our arms so weak, nor our veins so bloodless, that we our vow should break to sell our freedom for fear of prince or paladin. At least we sell our birthright dear, no bloodless price they will win at least king charles if god decrees he must be lord of spain shall witness that the leonis were not aroused in vain he shall bear witness that we died as we lived our sires of old nor only of numantium's pride shall minstrel's tale be told the lion that hath bathed his paws in seas of libyan gore shall he not battle for the laws and liberties of yore anointed cravens may give gold to whom it likes them well but steadfast heart and spirit, Alfonso never shall quell. Side by side with the doughty warriors of León, who thus refused to join the prince of the Astrias in his homage to Charlemagne, were, according to the romances, a host of valiant Saracens who joined in the onset upon the retiring Franks. Sudo-Turpin's legendary history of Charles and Orlando tells of a fresh body of 30,000 Saracens, who now poured furiously down upon the Christians, already faint and exhausted with fighting so long, and smote them from high to low, so that scarcely one escaped. Some were transpierced with lances, some killed with clubs, others beheaded, burnt, flayed alive, or suspended on trees. The massacre was horrible, and the memory of that day has never faded from the imagination of the peasantry of the district. When the English army pursued Napoleon's marshals through the pass of Roncesvalles, the soldiers heard the people singing the old ballad of the fatal field, and Spanish minstrels have recorded many incidents, true or false, of the fight. One of the most famous is the ballad of Admiral Guarinos, which Don Quixote and Sancho Panza heard sung at Toboso, according to the voracious history of Cervantes the day of roncesvalles was a dismal day for you yea men of france for there the lance of king charles was broken in two yea well-makers that rueful fulfilled for many a noble peer in fray or fight the dust did bite beneath the bernardo's spear there captured was guarenos king charles's admiral seven Moorish kings surrounded him and seized him for their draw and the ballad goes on to tell the tale of guarino's captivity and of his revenge at tourney when he slew his captor and rode free for france among the slain that day was roland the redoubtable paladin commander of the frontier of brittany he is the sir-lancelot of charlemagne romance and many are the doughty deeds recorded of him he had fought all day in the thickest of the fray dealing deadly blows with his good sword Duranda but all his prowess could not save the day. So, wounded to death, and surrounded by the bodies of his friends, he stretched himself on the ground, and prepared to yield up his soul. But first he drew his faithful sword, than which he would sooner have spared the arm that wielded it, and saying, O sword of unparalleled brightness, excellent dimensions, admirable temper, and hilt of the whitest ivory, decorated with a splendid cross of gold, topped by a berylline apple, engraved with the sacred name of God, endued with keenness and every other virtue. Who now shall wield thee in battle? Who shall call thee master? He that possessed thee was never conquered, never daunted by the foe. Phantoms never appalled him. Aided by the Almighty, with thee he destroyed the Saracen, Exert the faith of christ and win consummate glory o happy sword keenest of the kin never was one like thee he that made thee made not thy fellow no one escaped with life from thy stroke and lest duranda should fall into the hands of a craven or an infidel roland smote it upon a block of stone and break it in twain then he blew his horn which was so resonant that all other horns were split by its sound and now he blew it with all his might till the veins of his neck burst and the blast of that dread horn on fontarabian echoes reached even to king charles ear as he lay encamped and ignorant of the disaster that had befallen the rear guard eight miles away the king would have hastened to answer the fallen blast that seemed to tell of a tragedy but a traitor told him that roland was gone a-hunting and charlemagne was persuaded not to answer the summons of his faithful paladin who after prayer and confession gave up the ghost then baldwin another of the peers of france came running to the king and told him of what had befallen the rear of his army and the death of roland and oliver whereupon the king and all his army turned and marched back to roncesvalles where the ground was strewn with death, and Charles himself was the first to describe the body of a hero, lying in the form of a cross, with his horn and broken sword beside him. Then did great Charles lament over him with bitter sighs and sobs, wringing his hands and tearing his beard, and crying, O oh, right arm of thy sovereign's body, honor of the Franks, sword of justice, inflexible spear, inviolable breastplate shield of safety noble defender of the christians scourge of the Saracens, a war to the clergy the widows and orphans friends and just and faithful in judgment renowned count of the franks valiant captain of our armies why did i leave thee here to perish how can i behold thee dead and not die with thee why hast thou left me sorrowful and alone a poor miserable king but thou art exerted to the kingdom of heaven and dost enjoy the company of angels and martyrs thus did charles mourn for roland to the last day of his life on the spot where he died the army rested and the body was embalmed with balsam aloes and myrrh the whole army of the franks watched by it that night honouring the corpse with hymns and songs and lighting fires on the mountains round about then they took him with them and buried him right royally. Thus ended the fatal day, when Roland, Brave, and Oliver, and every paladin and peer, on Roncesvalles died. No action of so small importance has ever been made the theme of so many heroic legends and songs. It is the Thermopylae of Pyrenees, with none of the glory or significance but all the glamour of its prototype. End of chapter 2